alternative way Start your free trial today Come on in the water's lovely look You could meet someone you like everybody, welcome back to the Everybody Trades Podcast And it is I, your overly arrogant arbitrageur of the internet John Miller, how are you? Hope you're doing as well as I am because you know what? I'm back with you guys right here on this podcast. It's been about 10 days, hasn't it? That's too long. It's way too long. I apologize. You know what, though? I've been doing a lot of homework and burying my head and a lot of stuff lately because, by golly, it's been mighty hot in Missouri and I just sounded like the biggest redneck of all time. By golly, it's mighty hot out here, Ma. What are we going to do? The dog's passing out. Okay, enough with that stupid voice. Anyway, back to the show. What I was saying is, is a lot of stock news during earnings season, folks. And I have to comb through it, whether I like it or not. While Howard Stern's on vacation, out in the Hamptons, whatever he's up to, I'm here. In my office. But the good news is I know Howard's miserable. He hates vacation. He'd rather be behind the microphone just like I am right now. And with all that being said, let's address what I was talking about at the top. Or what I was referring to at the top, I should say. And that's my arrogance. Yes, that's right. I had a bit of an arrogant moment the other day. And hence the title of this podcast is going to be The Tale of Two Charts. The first chart is me, which I sent out on Twitter uh, last week sometime, I believe it was on Thursday, when Dropbox, a stock I've been talking about here for some time, was up about 9%, and I showed a where I'd bought it, I had uh, made my most recent buy at about $28, and as of trading, when I sent out that chart, it was at $34. I've been going at this for over a dozen years now, as far as the trading game goes. And one thing I've learned is never spike the football before you've sold a stock. And yet here I was, taking a shot at somebody on the internet because they took a shot at me. Not a, not specifically. I didn't tag the guy or even respond in any way. That actually wasn't the point. It wasn't personal. See, one thing I actually struggle with is self-promotion. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it and it feels kind of awkward to constantly be like, hey, listen to me and watch me and do this, do that, even though clearly I'm behind a microphone and I would like to have listeners. But So that's something I'm personally working out and perhaps I might need to talk to some other people that'll help me out on that. Anyway, regardless, the point is I I got too arrogant with Dropbox, and as you saw, if you follow my website and you follow the Everybody Trades on Twitter, you definitely saw that I got out today of Dropbox, and the good news is we made maybe a tiny bit of money. I'll I'll let you know the final damage tomorrow at everybodytrades.com when the trade's clear, but I think we either got out with a small win or a scratch, essentially a eh, no big deal, basically basically broke even as a scratch in the in trading lingo. But of course, as quickly as I had that 9.5% gain, uh, it was down about 9.5% the next day. I mean, just like that, it went poof. And it's gone. And I was still sitting on a good 2-3% gain today, and then that went away as well. Frankly, I just didn't like how the stock was acting, and so I decided to get out. But... 
there was also a fundamental reason for this as well. And this is actually a great lesson, just a broader lesson for everybody beyond don't be arrogant or don't count your chickens before they've hatched, as the old saying goes. Don't count your earnings, don't count your stock earnings before you've sold. See, you do have to be right twice in this game. You have to be right when you buy and when you sell. So I've learned this lesson many, many times, and guess what? I learned it again last week. Do not celebrate until you've sold. Once you've sold and made a good trade, feel free to pat yourself on the back for a second, but not one moment before then. And that gets me to the second chart that I was referring to in our tale of two charts. You see, Jim Cramer, he put out a chart as well. One of his colleagues over at realmoney.com had a chart showing that Dropbox's, while their paid subscribers in the last year had still grown, it still it wasn't growing quite as quickly as it had been in the previous years. Now, Kramer has hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter, including myself, so I'm certainly not the only person who saw that chart. So if stuff can move the market on CNBC, on Bloomberg, on the Wall Street Journal, etc., etc., you're darn right that Jim Kramer's Twitter feed can move the market too. Now, I have no proof of this whatsoever, and certainly nobody I've seen in mainstream media has made this connection, but I truly believe that Jim tweeting out that chart really opened up a lot of people's eyes to the fact that, oh, maybe Dropbox, including myself, by the way, this is why I'm now out of the stock, I was waiting for a little possible pop, didn't get it, got out. Anyway, the point is, Kramer sends out that chart, people noticed, Hundreds of thousands of people noticed, in my opinion, and word got around. I don't have any proof of this, but to me, I don't have a lot of doubt that he had a big influence on that. Now, am I blaming Jim Cramer? No, I'm not blaming Jim Cramer at all. Information is information. I'm just saying that was good information. Frankly, I should have acted on it more quickly, quite possibly. We're actually in an interesting moment here where August is often somewhat of a sleepy, low-volume month that tends to maybe not be the most bullish historically. People are on vacation. It just not a lot is necessarily happening. And by on vacation, I'm talking people in New York or in the financial sector, people in Chicago. They're out in the Hamptons. They're out on Lake Michigan doing their thing. Not necessarily in their office. But with that, we've had tons of news. It's it's unending. The trade war does seem to be escalating, doesn't it? Because it's now on more fronts. That's, of course, the big news of the day is all of the action in Turkey, of course. Their currency is now undergoing similar volatility to other places we've seen in the world. Certainly not to the extreme of Venezuela or anything, but... It's a pretty extreme move and for, you know, a, a one-week type situation here. And Turkey is an, a very, very interesting situation to, to continue to monitor, frankly. And I've been thinking this for a while before this, before this uh, currency news has come about and the trade war with Turkey has now escalated. Tariff for tariff, both sides. For one thing, Turkey for decades has been this place where there's sort of a push and pull between the quote-unquote Western part of the country, the Western Muslims who want to sort of 
still be Muslims and yet become part of the West as well. And then there's the quote for lack of a better term, the traditional Muslims who don't want anything to do with West and they, with the West at all, feel the West has been a thorn in their side and they just want to set up their own sort of separate Muslim society or just continue to make uh, their part of the world even bigger. Well, this, this, this conflict is played out in Turkey as much as anywhere in the world because of the various dynamics of, of their geopol- geopolitics, which I won't get into here. But the point is, it's an important part of the region, and it's a traditionally a U.S. ally, too. It's, we're sort of, not that the, uh, the Turkish government is any sort of nice people, but in the United States' opinion, anyway, the government's opinion, they think that, hey, this is the, the better of two options, at least, uh, in terms of trying to deal with what they think they can do in the Middle East. I frankly think that they should get the hell out of there. I think we should stop messing around with Iran, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, any of these places. If anything, we can make an argument about aid or whatever. I, I have another argument there as well. But before we even get to that, the idea that the United States government is going to keep poking its sticks into that region and make things better is kooky. But anyway, that wasn't really the point of this. The point is, is Turkey is important from the geopolitical dynamics that I've just laid out and also geographically as well. Turkey has a big traditional army, and it's located right between the Mediterranean Sea and the Black Sea, nestled right up next to Bulgaria in Europe, Eastern Europe, right on top of the Middle East and you know North Africa and everything. That is a really important spot for trade. It's hard to get goods through those particular locations that I've just said without going through Turkey in some way. So again, Turkey, keep an eye on it. It's certainly important, and this trade war thing is not going to get better, it doesn't seem like, anytime soon. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem great. As for tomorrow's session, I'm kind of expecting maybe some more bearish movement. In other words, another down day. If there's one thing I'm looking to buy, it's probably Ulta Beauty. It's had a good run here, but it's, it's now looking attractive levels off a good 10% from its 52-week high. I frankly think that's a great company. I hang out with a lot of ladies, including my wife. Don't get any weird ideas, people. I'm not a creeper. Everything's cool. But no, for, seriously, the ladies I hang out with, they love Ulta. And I'd like to get some more, some more retail exposure, too. Sort of the death of retail has been a little bit exaggerated. And it is also one of those things that people don't go to Amazon for still, or at least not for Ulta you don't, it doesn't seem. So they've certainly carved themselves out a, ni- a nice niche there, and I think they're going to continue to do well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to start a position in Ulta tomorrow, and if I do, certainly you'll see the alert. Now, obviously, as you can see from the first 10 minutes of this episode, I am quite fallible. I'm not perfect. But guess what? Neither are you. Neither are any traders or investors. So here's the lesson. Do not blindly follow me on anything. In fact, I've heard that a lot of people who like this aren't even traders yet. They're just 
into it to sort of learn. Well, that's great. That's perfect. That's what you should be learning this. That's what you should be using this for as a learning vehicle. And you should absolutely be learning from me and learn from the things that I do wrong more than anything. Almost more than the things that I do right is almost more important, which is why I'm as honest as I am with people on this show. I feel like I have to be or else this isn't going to work. And I'm not going to really help anybody if I'm not purely honest. And sometimes that's going to be a painful process because I have to expose my imperfections and the things that I do wrong, too. But you know what? Overall, I think that's going to be a good process. Just like overall, over all these years, I've made money in this business. So hopefully that'll keep continuing. And speaking of the long term, I definitely... The more I go along, the more I realize my I'm such a big picture, long-term oriented guy in my thinking. One of the things that first got me interested in this business is I was a, since I was 14, I've been a huge fantasy rotisserie basketball, baseball, football player. I was really excellent at it from like 14 to like 24, 25 until I really got into the stock business, the trading business, really the commodity business in Chicago was where I had my first, my first break in this business was two years working in the commodity pits for a, for an independent trader up there. And that was one of the reasons I got into it. But what I've realized as the years have gone along once again, is that when I try to make these short term decisions short-term based day-to-day day trading if you will it works out about as well as me trying to do the newfangled daily fantasy sports see as great as I was and still am frankly even though I don't play nearly as much I have I'm great at the season-long process I'm great at dynasty leagues I'm great at keeper leagues things that last a season or more but day-to-day I just feel like I'm throwing darts and you have to do so much homework day to day. It just almost seems overwhelming and not worth it to me. It's interesting how that the silly game I'm talking about called rotisserie sports, just the, my own psychology, even from, even though it's a game to something very real, which is the stock market, something incredibly tangible that I'm basically not only putting my fortune, my wealth on the line, I'm putting my reputation on the line too quite frankly it's interesting how my psychology is is still exactly the same no matter how silly one of those things is and no matter how serious this other endeavor I'm into is but the point is my psychology remains the same so know yourself understand how your brain works now I know for one that I'm a very emotional animal quite frankly I can get really mad sometimes if things aren't going my way in the market. What I've found is, is that can actually be a opposite indicator. Sometimes the more freaked out I am, the more I realize, oh, wait, I, I should take a step back and go, oh, I guess other people are probably freaked out too, which means there probably aren't many sellers left. Probably already, everybody's already panicked at this point. And again, this is no scientific thought whatsoever it's just based on my own intuition and experience which is something I've gathered for again more than a dozen years now it's valuable intuition and experience is something that you have to just get 
And that's the, probably the most valuable thing I can bring to you, along with my just genuine honesty. There's really nothing in it for me to lie to you all. And frankly, if I if you follow me on my trades, it's going to be really obvious if I lie. It's it's going to be it's going to be really easy to get found out. So you can trust me. Okay, I'd actually like to clarify something from a previous episode really quickly too. In talking about Permit Patty, I just want to make clear that I don't hate her the person. <laughs> and the reason I want to clarify is because the word hate has become very politicized and in many ways legalized in this country. Isn't that bizarre that hate is now a legal term, it seems, in many areas? I find that to be a weird process, but that's another topic for another day. What I want to clarify here is that I hate Permit Patty's instinct. The lady who thought, ooh, there's somebody who might be selling some lemonade without a permit and I must get involved. I just find that instinct to be repugnant. There was nothing wrong. There was nothing unsafe happening. In fact, I love the process of the young lady going out and learning a little bit of entrepreneurship in a very small way. There's no doubt that the earlier you get started, people, on that, whether it's mowing lawns, selling lemonade, whatever it might be, that's a fantastic process and we should absolutely encourage. We should do everything we can to encourage kids to have that kind of mentality. We need to teach kids how to work and do less Fortnite. We've got plenty of Fortnite. We need more kids who can actually do something, do something productive. So just again, I want to clarify, don't hate the person, but... I definitely can't hang with Permit Patty. Don't get me wrong. We definitely can't hang. But hate, that's an incredibly strong word, and I I definitely would like to take that back and just say that I hate her instinct there. I just hate that general instinct in certain human beings. Finally, just one non-stock-related thought. Really nothing to do with the economy either. There's this situation. There was, unfortunately, a, a young man football player at the University of Maryland who died last May, I believe, and apparently he died of heat exhaustion. And there's been an ESPN report now with a lot of anonymous sources from apparently inside the University of Maryland's football program making a lot of uh, rough accusations, you know, and just a lot of things that don't put the University of Maryland and the people there, particularly the strength and conditioning coach, it appears, in a very good light. Culture of abuse, bullying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm not going to speak a lot on the specifics of this situation because I don't have any particular special knowledge here. I do have some experience working in journalism, though, and in, 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 uh, specifically newspapers and specifically sports as well. The point I want to make, and this applies as equally to sports reporting and news reporting, and obviously there's a lot of crossover here with, with Maryland and uh, this, this unfortunately dead football player. This isn't just your typical sports story. We're not talking about play calling here. We're not talking about, hey, why didn't you run it on first and goal? No, it's nothing like that. This is... This is a real thing here. So this applies equally to all news situations. If you're going to use anonymous sources, in my opinion, and this comes from somebody 
who went to the University of Missouri Journalism School, somebody who's had a sports column, somebody who's been a reporter, somebody who's been a copy editor. In my humble opinion, if you're going to use anonymous sources, number one, you have to have a really, really great reason for doing it. In this case, I think they have a really good reason for doing it at ESPN and the Maryland situation. So check that mark. Number two, you have to be right. You absolutely must be right if you're going to use anonymous sources, in my opinion. Because here's the deal. If a name source tells you something that eventually ends up being a lie, it's mostly on them. See, you can run another story, you can run another correction that is as prominent as the other, but even though it's still going to reflect poorly on your newspaper and you still have to be really careful on just believing anything a source tells you, you especially have to be with anonymous sources. Because not only is it going to be all on you as the reporter, as the newspaper, as ESPN, whoever it is, if that all goes wrong and it turns out you got played by a source, that's just it. You got played and it's all on you. You got played by somebody. It's easy for somebody to use, to, to shape whatever narrative they want and use you as a reporter if they never, if they never uh, have to reveal themselves. Now, that's not to say, once again, that there's not a place for anonymous sources. I totally understand that. But once again, you have to have a really, really good reason for it, number one. And number two, you have to be right. And part of that, part of great, great reporting, the greatest reporters of all time do cultivate good sources and anonymous sources that they'll use on various things or to just even not even use them necessarily as a as a source, quote unquote, in the story, but just to bounce, you know, things off of that other people have, have told them and say, is this true? Does this make sense? Does this actually comport to your reality, to your professional world? See, those are the types of, see, anonymous sources can be used for good. I'm just very afraid when I see, not again, not in this case, but ESPN does seem to, in my opinion, they do overuse anonymous sources for certain stories that really aren't that important. A lot of stuff that just boils down to rumor and innuendo. And that, to me, that's not, that's not the place for an anonymous source. You know, leave that stuff to e-entertainment, National Enquirer, leave the rumor and innuendo to them. So anyway, that's my soapbox for the day on that particular subject. So anyway, check out uh, everybodytrades.com. Follow me on Twitter for any updates on a possible Ulta purchase tomorrow and any other trades. And also check out my Instagram.com. Everybody trades at Instagram, I should say. And you'll see those two charts that I'm talking about just now, as in the tale of two charts. So anyway, that's it. It's been another episode of Everybody Trades. Thanks so much for joining me. It's been fun. What stars out of